Message titled this morning is The Very First Christmas. Thanks, Leighton and Allie, for we didn't talk about this, but you'll see in this message there's reference to what this is. Very first Christmas. Can, can you imagine being there? Imagine, try to imagine being there at the very first Christmas. As I mentioned in the, uh, the email newsletter this week, the first Christmas must have just been a wild ride for, quite literally, for Joseph and Mary. Mary particularly. Pregnant, on the back of a donkey, making her way with her fiancé, Joseph. A very long trip they had to make. And she's, did I say? Pregnant. Riding on the back of the donkey. Now, some of you I've heard when you want this baby supposed to be coming and you're overdue, you hop in a four by four, take me for a ride, honey. Well, I'm thinking that the donkey did the trick. All of us here, we, we probably, at Christmas time, we enjoy a comfortable environment at our Christmases. You know, sitting around, maybe the fireplace is on, nicely decorated. Thanks in our home to Miriam. And Christmas lights, candles. Good candles are not scented. I'm sensory sensitive, and so anyway. But you, you, we have these beautiful environment setting. Uh, maybe, maybe Olivia Newton-John Christmas music playing. And those of you that are under 35 are going, who is that? Mary and Joseph had none of that at the very first Christmas. We back up uh, to Luke 1 and we see the announcement of the coming birth of Jesus, the Messiah. When the angel informs Mary, most of us know this story well, uh, the angel informs Mary that God will supernaturally... Uh, Cause this child, who is God, by the way, to be conceived within her. What? Luke is a physician. He's a historian of the greatest kind. Attention to detail. He is not making this up. And Mary responds pragmatically to the angel's message about her becoming pregnant this way. Luke 1.34. How can this be? Since I do not know a man. That word know is obviously key. Plain English. She says, what? How? I'm a virgin. How does that work? The angel explains that it will happen supernaturally. God designed all of this. He can tweak it if he wants to. And he did. Chapter 1 of Luke, verse 38, Mary said, Then let it be, let it be, according to your word. She was saying, your will be done. What a phenomenal prayer. What a, what a great posture, what a, what a heart posture of humility before God and availability to God for His plan and purposes. That's lesson enough for today, actually. So God bless you as you go. Have a great week. Oh no, Sammy's coming to read in just a moment. From our text in Luke 2, 
Very first Christmas. Come and read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. Samara, thank you so much. Listen carefully as she reads this familiar passage. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first, first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with the child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there's no room for them in the inn. Thank you very much for reading that uh, important eternity-shaping passage, really. Hundreds of years before this happened, this, this event, an Old Testament prophecy was given about where the Messiah would be born, where Jesus would be born. And again, many of you know this. The prophet's name was Micah, a little Old Testament book uh, called one of the minor prophets by the same name, written by him. In the fifth chapter of Micah, verse 2, it says, but you, Bethlehem, it's, it's it's a passage speaking to a place because that place is important. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, which is either another name for Bethlehem or uh, the district in which Bethlehem was located. There's some uncertainty there about that particular word. But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one, capital O, one, the ruler in Israel, whose going, now this is important, whose, go, whose goings forth have been or are from old, from everlasting. That's a phrase that tells us that this child is actually God, existent from eternity past. He is God by nature, even though he is entering human history as a child. Again, mind-boggling, this very first Christmas. In Grant Jeffrey's book, The Signature of God, he says the probability factor of this prophecy occurring by chance is 1 in 2400. Since, he says, there were 12 tribes in ancient Israel from which the Messiah could have been born. And then there were over 2,000 villages and towns in the densely populated area uh, allotted to the tribe of Judah during the first century. God obviously knew. When he directed Micah to to declare hundreds of years before where the Messiah would be born, God obviously knew that he would be sending Jesus to earth through Mary, who would be engaged to Joseph, who would have to go to Bethlehem because that was his home, and home is where everybody needed to go to participate in a census like that was, that, that And God knew that that census would be decreed at that time when Mary was pregnant with Jesus. Not coincidence. I mean, mean, think about this. Especially those of you who who don't know the world um, without or don't know life without the internet. You, You had to physically travel to where your family home was from generations past. And and you had to walk. Or 
If you're fortunate enough to have a donkey, you could do that. Not easy to get around. And from Nazareth, where Joseph and Mary went to register this and take part in the census, from Nazareth to Bethlehem was a trip of about 135 kilometers. Mary's one tough lady. That's amazing. And then while they're there, it's her time to give birth, of course. God ordained. She did. And then, as Sammy read for us, the, then Jesus was, was, was wrapped up in... It, it, it wasn't his, you know, his first going home outfit, it, it appears, that he didn't have. No, it was, it was cloths. It was cloths. A new living, I think, puts it this way. Strips of cloth. Whatever was around where they were staying wrapped him up and laid him in a manger. Verse 7 and verse 16 in Luke 2 say that. A trough. That's what that is. A trough. Because they, they weren't in the local inn. They were not in some generous stranger's guest room. The safe assumption is that they were camping out in a, in a stable of sorts or a small barn that someone had made available to them because there was a trough there. It was a trough that was baby Jesus' very first bed. A, a trough that holds feed for farm animals. The first bed of our Savior. That struck me a little more this, can you tell? A little more this time for some reason than, than other times that I've read that familiar passage. Because of everybody traveling to Bethlehem for this census, there was no vacancy signs up everywhere. Uh, travel on a donkey with a pregnant lady must have slowed them down in their arrival time. Or back in Nazareth, the, the, the game that Joseph was watching went into overtime. And yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go. You know, I, don't, I don't know how it went. But, but by the time they got to Bethlehem, not very many options to stay. And they needed some place to stay. Think about it. Huh. Ori and Tanisha, one. Others of you. When you've brought baby home from the hospital, you've, you've prepared probably a, a beautiful room. You, maybe you put some fresh paint on the walls or some new curtains. Maybe the, the baby's name is creatively uh, painted on the wall. Uh, there's a comfortable and a, and a, and a safe change table over here and then in the corner is a is a bookshelf that's already stocked because your kid's going to be the smartest and it's not never too early to get going on that reading thing right and so you set up the room but then but then you walk in your friends walk in this is this is baby's room and underneath where the name is splashed the baby's name is splashed on the wall is where the baby will sleep Horse slobber on the side. Cattle drool. Literally. I, 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 I'm, I mean, it's, it's an assumption, but it's a safe one, I think. It's a wooden trough. Like you remember seeing at Uncle Joe's farm and, and seeing the animals eat out of it. That's, that's where your baby's going to sleep. You may think I'm overemphasizing the trough. It's not really about the trough. The main thought here is the important reminder that Jesus did what? He humbled himself for us. The God of the universe. Coming as a child. 
laying in a trough as his first bed. Being God in heaven from all eternity past, still God, but coming to earth and, and, and not only taking on humanity, but his first, did I say it? His first bed, a trough. Humility, humility. That very first Christmas reminds us of the humility of our Savior. And it's because he loves us so much. Claire and Michaela are going to read uh, the next section in this chapter, Luke 2, 8 to 16. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloth lying in a manger and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill towards men so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And then they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Thanks, young ladies, for reading that for us. I'll go this way. And that also was uh, a reading from the New King James Version, which I think I forgot to put on the slide there. Did you notice where the shepherds live? Live, it says in the fields, watching over their sheep. I mean, that, that's commitment. That's commitment. That, that, that's taking responsibility for the sheep. It shows, it shows a heart of care and compassion. And little did these shepherds know that they, the characteristics that they were displaying as they watched the shepherds in the, in, in the fields were the same qualities that this baby Jesus would grow up to display to all people in all kinds of needs. Throughout all of human history. Characteristics precursor to the display of God's grace, compassion, care to humanity. Beautiful. The event of the Savior's entrance into the world was worthy of a supernatural announcement by angels. And that's what this was. The Bible speaks of the Bible speaks of the angels as being ministering spirits, ministering to those who will inherit salvation. They, they have a role. They have a role, a significant role, according to Hebrews 1, 14. And that's exactly what this birth was all about, the salvation of the world. So it's, it's not surprising that God used his angelic messengers. Angels are created beings. We're not supposed to worship angels. We're not supposed to be enamored by angels, intriguing as they are. But certainly, to be grateful for their role, for, for, for since they, they clearly have a role in God's salvation plan for human creation. Their message that they carried from God the Father to the shepherds was, for this or sorry, for there is born to you this day Christ the Lord. 
Christ? He's the Messiah. He's the sent one. He's the one you've been waiting for. And he is Lord of the universe. Significant announcement. Later in Luke 2, we see a devout man, Simeon, make an interesting comment after Mary and Joseph presented Jesus to him in the temple, uh, according to Jewish tradition. And Simeon took Jesus in his arms, and he knew this was a very significant thing. Um, somehow, he just, it, it, it doesn't go into the detail here, but he just, he just knew. And in verse 30 of Luke 2, Simeon says, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people as, as he held the child Jesus. God's way of salvation. God's way of eternal salvation from ourselves, from our sin, from our eternal separation from God. God's way of salvation was held in Simeon's hands. What a privilege to be able to do that. It must have been. I'm repeating a phrase I used a few moments ago. The important reminder in all of this is that Jesus humbled himself, being God in heaven, but coming to earth. That's the very first Christmas. We know that. God obviously wanted others to witness this earth-shaking event. And so he, he found the shepherds in the field. He let Simeon witness what he had been waiting for. And again, he recognized that this child was, was God intersecting with human history so that he could experience life and the pain and difficulties of this life as a human being, but without sin. And being God, be the bridge between God and human sinful humanity. And, and reconcile us in an eternal and a personal relationship with God, our creator. The very first Christmas brought that into being. Or, or, or at least set it up in terms of him coming to the, we got the two big stories, right? Easter is obviously a, a key in that salvation. Jesus came to die. And he rose again. In our, in our culture, I mean, that's what Christmas is about. And yet, in our, in our culture and in our pace of doing Christmas, in all of the, the events and the activities and the purchases and the credit card bills and the, and the stress and, uh, and the exhaustion that can come with Christmas, we can somehow, we, we, we must somehow find a way to minimize those distractions and, and learn how to grow in, in, in being able to revel in. That's not a word we use much. And I don't mean ice cream. But revels are good too. Uh, but, but, but to be able to revel in the truth of, of, of what Luke 2 is telling us. To revel in it. To enjoy it. To, 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 to be very content is one of the definitions. Another definition of the phrase revel in is to... Get a kick out of. Wow. Get a kick out of it. Not in a disrespectful way, but wow. Jesus came this way for me. 
So back to the shepherds, after, after hearing the good news as the angels refer to it in verse 10, the shepherds did uh, a very wise thing. They explored, verse 15. They said, let's go, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has just told us about. They recognized the divine origin of the message. They had already made that determination that this angel or angels is speaking and, and, and declaring what, what was going on. Was, was, was not the result of too much Jewish pulled pork pizza. I don't know if they have that or not. But, uh, but no, they, they, in the mo- they realized this, something's going on. Now, could they have described, explained the whole thing? Probably not. But they knew this is of divine origin. Let's go to Bethlehem. Now, what happened to the care for their sheep? I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe one guy stayed back. I don't know how that, what that works. That's conjecture. But, but, but so much... Intrigue, curiosity, excitement, God-ordained messaging settled in their hearts and minds. They just had to go. They just had to explore. They had to see it for themselves. I love that. I love that. If, if this good news message of, of Christmas is new to you, or, or maybe, you know, some familiarity, but, but maybe you, you've, never, you, you've never drilled down, you, you've never considered, possibly even ever considered, its potential for your life and eternity. Maybe you've never investigated what the Bible says about who Jesus is, or, or, or you've never considered the authenticity of the Bible that contains this eternity-altering message. My, my, my friend, you, you owe it to yourself to explore. You owe it to yourself to ask questions. That's a courageous thing to do. That's, an in, that's a smart thing to do. You, you owe it to yourself to search. I mean, think about it. If something really matters to you, m- most likely there's some element of inquiry or searching further that you probably, it's probably a very normal response. If something really is important to you, well, coming to the point of, uh, of verifying the authenticity of the biblical message is so important and a search that is well worth your time and, and, your, and your effort. And maybe it will be a little bit scary along the way as you start to realize, boy, if, if, if this is true, if this stuff is true about who Jesus is and why he came, if this is true... It, it probably has some bearing on my life. That can be, for some people, a, a scary thing. But, but I assure you, it, it does not have to be. Because the God you're exploring is the God who created you and knows you and loves you most and wants you in His eternal presence. It's what the shepherds did. They explored, verse 16. Of Luke 2, it says it, says it this way, they, they, they came with haste. It's an old word that just means they did it fast. <laughs> they, they didn't waste any time. Because they were excited to witness this event. And the Bible says, Luke 2, 16, they, they went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the babe, capital B, lying in a manger. I, I, I mentioned this I mentioned this earlier, but it's worth repeating. Manger sounds 
Doesn't manger sound Christmassy? Again, it was probably a rugged, dirty, horse saliva thing. Jesus, and I say this again, this main thought is the important reminder that Jesus humbled himself, God of eternity past, coming as a human being, as a baby, who needed to have his diapers changed and, and needed the care. The creator of the universe submitting to the Father, voluntarily coming and putting himself in a place of needing care that, that, that he's, he's never known that. And again, this stuff is, is, is beyond my, my comprehension. But I'm so glad Jesus did what he did in coming. Luke 2, 17 to 20, I read. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Verse 17 says, after the shepherds see Jesus, they went from there. And what did they do? They told everyone. They told everyone what had happened. They told everyone what they had heard from the angels and what they had witnessed. I mean, this is a, this is a great reminder for us, isn't it? In, in, in what we do with this treasured story and experience of faith. Do we tell it? Do we show it by the way we live? Do we pique people's curiosity by, by the loving, generous things that we do? There's a challenge here for, for me and probably for you as well. I repeat it again. The main thought in all of this is that Jesus humbled himself. Being, being God in heaven, coming to earth. That's the very first Christmas. He came for you. He came for you. He did this for you. And so I ask, if you haven't already, would you open your heart to receive Christ today? To entrust your life and your future and your eternity to him. He knows you best and loves you most. What would hold you back? What would hold you back from doing that? close, I want to pray a prayer. And again, it's not about these words, but if the, the essence and the heart of what I express in prayer is, is, it resonates with you, you say, I, I want to I step into this relationship that God offers me through Jesus. I, I want to step into that eternal and personal relationship with the God who created me. Today is my day that I'm doing that. Then this is your moment. So I'm going to ask you just to, to, to close your eyes and, and, and bow your heads just to, to kind of focus here on, on something that is so, so important. And if that's your desire today, you can just pray, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus, for loving me so much. You created me and you love me and you don't want me to be separate from you. 
Either now or in eternity, certainly. And I thank you that that's your heart for me. And your heart calling me back to you resulted in you sending your son, Jesus. And Jesus, I thank you for coming voluntarily to this earth. Because you knew what it meant. And yet you also knew what it would result in me coming into the family of God. And I receive that gift of salvation that comes to me today through the gift of Jesus. And what he did on the cross. I open my heart. I surrender to you. And I thank you for your love. I want to walk. In relationship with you. In in this life. And into the next. Thank you for that gift. Thank you for that gift. Of forgiveness. Salvation that brings freedom. Hope. And a future for me give you thanks in this moment. Lord, I pray for everyone who in their hearts prayed that prayer right now. That you would just solidify the truth of what they just did. That the, that the enemy would not be able to be successful at planting lies in our minds. Thank you for your grace.